The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. This has gone by lunchtime. Um, it's been a little while, listeners, but um, we've eventually managed to track down Annabelle Lee, who, who ghosted Ben and Ben Thomas and, and I for a while. We, what was going on, Annabelle? It's just, it's really hard to walk through your front door and mm. then up four flights of stairs with a baby, so right. I've just been avoiding you. Okay. We're moving offices. I can't wait. Um, will you be more available then? I'll be potting like three times a day when you move offices. Um, this has gone by lunchtime. Uh, ben Thomas is here. Hi, Ben. Hi, Toby. Alice is producing. Hi, Alice. Hi. She says hi. I've, I haven't been avoiding you. I've been in Wellington. Oh, no, you were easy to get hold of. I am. Um, I, 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 I <laughs> because you're always on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, went to the, I went to the National Party Caucus Party. Oh, you went to the About a week ago. The piss up. Good news, they had music. I they? forgot they, that Well, now that they're not in government, they've got time. Oh, I see. So what they turned on the stereo. That's a, that's a callback. See what's it's going a call on. Callback to social media. <laughs> you can't call back to a different platform, can't you? No. We're, aren't we? Aren't we all just? We're all just the singularity. You've just reminded me. I forgot to RSVP to that. I was kindly invited, but wasn't able to make it. I feel bad. I'll have to send a belated one today. I was invited too. You were? Did you go? I didn't go. Did you remember to RSVP? Um, I'll send, a, I'll I, I send an apology for you too. They were very, they were, they stressed that there was, there was to be no reporting on this event, so that everybody could get drunk and gossip and the privacy of their own company. How was the gossip, Ben? I'm just here to talk about the music. Um, no, it's, it's fine. Um, National, they're in, they're in high spirits. Um, I think generally they've adapted a lot better than I expected to opposition. Huh? Um, you know, because I, I guess there was a situation that they're a huge opposition, but they were a large government party as well. So there were a lot of backbenchers who really didn't have a lot to do mm. um, in government. Now they all have portfolios. You know, Simon Bridges has actually sort of kind of stretched it quite thin uh, to give everyone a portfolio. So I think Lawrence Yule, one of the newcomers, is the spokesperson for viticulture. Mm. Um, which, you know, but, but even he is, you know, making, making moves on, you know, issues like kiwi fruit uh, uh-huh. growers. So every, you know, opposition, much more so than government, uh, is really what you make it. You know, you can kind of 
plough into something and, and kind of dig in and make it an issue. So I think Melissa Lee is somebody, for instance, Mark and Claire Curran, who, who didn't have a particularly distinguished backbencher career in uh, government, but is doing great things in opposition. So, um, yeah, no, high, high spirits. Everyone's getting on with the job. Um, my old boss, Chris Finlayson, had just had his... Um, his bill to reform the law of contempt, a private member's bill, uh, 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 passed its first reading, and I think Andrew Little, the Justice Minister, has indicated that he'll adopt that bill mm. uh, as government policy, uh, subject to cabinet approval. And and it just sort of shows, you know, th there was a lot of sort of consternation and uh, huffing between both both partisan sides, I think, you know, and uh, about, you know, the opposition from hell and National being an obstructive opposition. Mm. But actually, you know, a lot of these former ministers are getting down and, and just doing sort of constructive bipartisan work um, in Parliament. Oh, that sounds lovely. It's, it's a good vibe. Um, beautiful. And, um, that sounds beautiful. Can I just say that yeah. that would be the ideal portfolio, wouldn't it? Like, Minister of, of Viticulture and Confectionery. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Su mm. su superannuation and viticulture just take the Waiheke, take the Waiheke ferry for free over to some vineyards <laughs> that's oh you're just calling, calling back like crazy to all the online activity Ben Thomas D D Duncan Grieve of the spin-off did a fantastic piece mm. this week about the horrible scam the absolute fucking rot which is the Waiheke ferry subsidy thanks to Winston Peters gold card um, and, and just the huge cost that this tiny minority of rich Waiheke dwellers and, and disinterested uh, greying day trippers uh, costs the country. Oh. Mm. So they can, you, you would prefer they were not able to go and visit their family or volunteer at the city mission? No, those, those people um, are literally using their gold card to commute to the city. Yeah, that's what the story was about. Mm. Um, speaking of Chris Finlayson, uh, did he tell you how soon he's going to resign at this um, off-the-record <laughs> event? <laughs> uh, not, not something I discussed with him. I've seen reports in the media that he has uh -huh. a lot of work still to do. Uh, okay, <clears throat> just tidying up a few... So, what, longer than a year? Less than a year until I, he resigns? I, w I wouldn't like to guess. Okay. Who's the next cab off the rank, do you think? Well, Nick Smith's got an electorate, hasn't he? That's the difficulty. I, I think there'll be a lot of. I think there's actually going to be a lot of pressure um, because there's. I, th I think there's. I can't remember who's next on the national party list uh, to come in. You know, after there's the next mm. list resignation, um, but the person after that is National's new Lynn candidate, who I think believes that even intramarital sex is a sin if it's not for the purposes of procreation. Like they're. they're <laughs> And so I, I suspect there'll be quite a lot of pressure on whoever the next one after this one to resign is to just stay put for a while. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that sounds like something that you learned over a DB at the National... What were they serving? I, no, I, I, uh, no, I learned that by reading suburban newspapers, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, good coverage out west. Mm -hmm. um, we also, also should introduce uh, Waimehi Rose, who is, uh, as always, our fourth and... Um, most highly acclaimed podcaster. <laughs> there she is. Um, speaks for all of us. Why me here? Another callback here. Like the rest of us, is Fabi Kayon Niva Zelong. Chris Finlayson, since he's, um, you brought him up, is it true um, what I read about him that he uh, has a moonlighting career as a hip-hop artist in the Hutt Valley. 
There was, or was it the wire wrapper? Yeah, now that was an unproven political rumour <laughs> circulated, circulated about the, the then Attorney General and Minister of the Arts that appeared in, I think, the Master, the Wired Upper News. Um, they, were, they were doing some press for his visit um, and said that, you know, he's, he's a man of many talents, that he liked Shakespeare and had been on the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra board, but also that he rapped. And uh, we, we, we never got to the bottom of, of, of where that particular perhaps salacious political rumour came from. Did he, I, 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 never, I never saw him, I never saw him to be frank engaging in any of the four elements. Um, would, um, has he actively denied that though? Does he, has he, does he sort of explicitly denied rapping? There's, there's, there's never been any... Co- Look, you don't dignify these things with responses. He would probably, you know, if, he were to, if he were to rap, he would probably say, now I'm going to do a bit of Aeschylus. Or something like that, wouldn't he? That'd be, is, is, y- sort of is, is, is Yambic Pentameter rap? <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, so that was a neat segue onto gossip, which dominated um, a bit of the, um, I suppose, a lot of the political spotlight over recent weeks while we've been away. Um, and that was, of course, the story um, that Clark Gayford had. <laughs> So heard he, and then he had also, of course. But the worst one was that. But the point has been, none of that was true, was it? No, the uh, police commissioner Mike Bush uh, took the unusual step of putting out a statement, uh, globally debunking what we've just talked about. Mm. Um, and and then the New Zealand Herald took the equally, I think, unusual step of running a story about how they had thoroughly investigated the rumours and, mm. and, sh- and determined that they weren't true. Mm. Now, I mean, I think quite a few other media sources might be feeling a bit peeved about that um, because I think they had also all investigated the rumours, confirmed that they weren't true, and based on that, not published anything as is usual practice with the news. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there, there was a bit of a, a, a sort of um, a sense that the Herald was kind of just really stretching to kind of get this into the paper somehow. Um, yes, all that was true. It didn't, I mean, it, the, the argument that was made, as far as I could tell, was that it was in the public interest because the rumours had reached such a level, an unprecedented level in terms of the number of people that were talking about them, that it was doing a service. And then there was sort of uh, further kind of conjecture about whether or not this was something that was engineered by the Prime Minister's department as a way of dealing with the situation and blah, blah, blah. I mean, do we not? Do you have any? No, I mean, Annabelle? No, but it's really interesting when you see the way those rumours are planted, like when um, Deborah Hillcone, Deborah Cone Hill, yes. did her article. And um, you see those accounts on Twitter that were commenting on it and they were saying just little kind of comments like, um, wow, you can see she really knows all about the case. Or This is the, that, art- this is the article this where is she said, article. I don't like the cut of his jib. Yeah. Or this, um, this article is amazing when you, when you know about the case or those sorts of things. And you go onto those um, Twitter accounts and, you know, they're sort of followed by 20 people and they follow... 200 people and their dodgy names but yeah it's quite um, there's an art to seeding those sorts of rumours isn't there No I I, I don't 
I don't believe that idea that this was somehow a, a conspiracy of you know, a group of determined rumour mongers. Um, these sorts of rumours, you know, the ones that end up with everyone knowing but never being published, they're, 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 they're perpetual. I remember the, the day that I first became a political insider. I was, a, I think, a second-year student at the University of Auckland, and, <laughs> and, one, and one, of my, one of my deep sources, I, someone I met in the quad, confided in me that a, a prominent uh, public figure had been caught on videotape in a, a compromising position in central Auckland. And, um, you know, you know I, I felt a, a great weight of responsibility knowing this this information and so promptly told about a million people over the next year or so because you know it makes you feel good it makes you feel like you're an insider like you know something that other people don't it's not never true none of this stuff is true um but it, but it just kind of it, it spreads quite naturally um you know there were similar rumors about helen clark's husband um you know and 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 it really is just these sort of disparate streams that all come together you know, these tributaries flowing into just this giant flooded Yangtze of gossip when all of these things sort of butt up against each other and then kind of make a consensus by default. I think it's wrong to sort of look at these Twitter accounts that have 20 followers and they're all also, they're, they're all just following each other and somehow think that, you know, from these, you know, they're basically blog commenters who have now got Twitter accounts that somehow they communicated to your girlfriends, flatmates, sisters, hairdresser, you know, some rumour about the Prime Minister's husband. You know, there's just not that kind of reach. Um, you know, there is gossip and there's rumours in every industry, politics, uh, entertainment. You know, we have a power couple at the head of the country. We have people from the entertainment industry, Clark Gayford, um, someone from politics, Jacinda Ardern. So you probably do get super rumours. Uh, um, I disagree. I think they are absolutely purposely seeded and then they snowball and, you know, that's how your cousin's friend's flatmate ends up finding out about them. They grow legs. But I do think that they start with intent and then um, don't necessarily spread by intent, but I, I do think that they're... Uh, uh, you know, that there's definitely purposely seeded. The funny thing, uh, well, that we could notice on the website, the spinoff.co.nz, is that there was a massive appetite for these stories first up, you know, just out of basic curiosity, but quite quickly that fell away and people were just sick of it. Like, stop, we're just sick of this bullshit. And so whether or not um, it's something that was sought or even supported by the Prime Minister's office... Um, in a way, it kind of turned out okay for them, I think, mm. um, insofar as I don't think, I, don't, I mean, my sense is that people aren't that interested anymore. I mean, like, people were talking about it furiously, it seemed to me, for 48 hours, maybe 72 hours, and now it's like, oh, next. Mm. I don't know, is that, what do you think, Alice? She doesn't, Alice doesn't care, but <laughs> is it something that people are discussing among your friends? No. That, um, I have to say, it was discussed in our office. We had people coming in saying, "Hey, have you heard those um, rumours? Because I got it from a really good source." And right, blah blah blah. Before. So it was interesting from a media perspective yep. to see that um, journalists were actually genuinely curious as to w whether or not they were were true, which goes to show how, I guess, dangerous those sorts of um, rumours can be. Yeah, oh. that's right. And and look, you know, we sh we should never lose sight of you know, it's it's kind of. I, I used to tell the story about, you know, the fake rumour I heard. It's, you know, a kind of self-deprecating anecdote about, you know, sort of the vanity of thinking that you're some kind of insider or that you're passing on secret knowledge. 
and it's sort of a funny story. And then, you know, many years later, I heard from a person, you know, an actual reliable source who knew the person in question who said that they came close to suicide over mm. the rumours. Yeah. So, you know, the, the best response to all of these things is the one that I give people, and I get, I've, I've given it a lot over the past couple of months when people say, yeah, you've you heard these rumours, oh, I've got a big scoop for you. Can you, you know, which is that the, it's not true, it's never true. Um, try and forget about it. Yeah. Was that did you did you give that line to Hooten or did he give it to you because it's exactly what Hooten said. It's kind of Yeah, no, we we you think together. His his line is the video never arrives oh, okay. because he's thinking of a particular case. Um, but no, I I mean I, I think most people when you've worked around politics uh, for any protected period of time you realize these things just never turn out to be true. When I first got down to Wellington we were just just bombarded. Sorry, that was the microphone going you through. Know, we'd be bombarded by these <coughs> rumours that everyone knew were true, like um, a male national MP who had left his wife for his male executive assistant. And when you ask around, you see this this guy's never had a male staff member. Yeah. Right. But everyone just knew this was the case, or, or you know, a, a politician who was seen <laughs> through the window uh, in flagrante. And then you see where his office is, and it doesn't have any external yeah. windows. You know, you know there's, there's just no basis to these things, but they just, they just sort of, they spontaneously occur. They, they get reinforced by. They affect both sides of the house and too. The, it's not, it's not just you know labour that gets yeah. them. It's you know the nets have been on the end of a fair share of them as well. Um, should we, should we, should we crack on from the, 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 mm-hmm. the um, gossip? Just to reiterate that um, the story that wasn't true was that Clark Gayford. Um, in select committee in recent weeks has been the what's um, it's, what's the I don't it's something to do with the integrity election integrity the election amendment bill, integrity bill. Yeah. but everyone calls it the wacker jumping bill which a, is a yeah, much bill. more memorable um, name and it uh, in essence would uh, require that uh, if you attempted to leave a political party while in parliament or go to a different party that you would have to resign your seat or, or, or if or if you're de facto been seen to leave the party yeah, so if, so if the leader determines yeah. that you wants to expel you from the caucus um and has the support i think it's of two-thirds of the caucus um then then he notifies the speaker that there's a there's a vacancy um and you will, you will, you will, you will leave Parliament, and there'll either be a by-election or um, a new person off the list if you're a list MP. Um, it's, I mean, really, it's it's more descriptive. Uh, name would be the ensuring Winston makes it intact with his party to the next election bill. Um, we've had this legislation before, which Winston Peters insisted on in 1999. Uh, oh, so the Alliance insisted on in 1999. Um, after their experience of losing Alamein Kopu to the national government um, uh, in, in the previous term. Um, Winston Peters lost about sort of half of his caucus in 1996 um, yeah. to the national government. They were just they just peeled off and went as a block. Mm. Um, and, and so th- Winston Peters probably, I think, has fallen out with more members of his caucus than any other party leader in history. Um, and so this is just a personal crusade to, to, to ensure that, one, he controls uh, who the New Zealand First MPs are, um, and, and two, that his party makes it intact to, with, with the full number of seats to the next election. I 
obviously it is in Winston's best interest to get this bill passed, but to be fair, this is an issue that has affected other minor parties, and, and it's easy for National and others to criticise it because it's, um, it's not really something that's a big problem for them, but it is a big deal for minor parties. So I understand why there is a need for legislation. I don't know if this is... Well, obviously, <clears throat> experts say that this is not the right way to go about it, but I do think that there needs to be something there because when you're a minor party, to lose an MP is a big deal, you know, especially when you were a little party like Mana Motuhake... Um, and who, within the alliance when they lost Alamein Korpu, you know, that was a massive setback from for them. So I do understand why there is a desire on behalf of um, smaller parties to um, to put some legislation in place around it. There's a lot of pressure on the Greens especially because this is part of a coalition deal that was signed between Labour and New Zealand First, which... Um, I mean, Greens tacitly went along with all the parts of that agreement, and so the Greens have certainly voted it through its first reading. But a lot of people within the Greens have some disquiet about it. Maybe not. Maybe some of them seem more relaxed about it. But you've got f like former for, 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 former Green MPs coming out. Um, Jeanette Fitzsimons was very strong um, in terms of saying that this this bill basically attempts to smother dissent, and dissent is an essential part of parliamentary democracy. Sue Bradford was similarly vocal. Um, and it is a problem for the Greens, potentially, if if they're seen to be doing something expedient. They're in, they're in a bind because if they... The, 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 the nature of the government is such that if they were to withhold their support, the bill couldn't go through. And then who knows what Winston would do, right? I mean, that's the kind of... Yeah. That's the real politic of it, right? Mm. I think, you know, like, if it is about dissent, well, if you're an electorate MP um, and you really strongly disagree with your party, then you should quit and allow the electorate to decide if you're on the, the, the wrong side or the right side of whatever the issue may be. And if you're a list MP, then you are there because of your party. So I think perhaps that's the issue, is that... I do think that this is a case where, or an area where list MPs should be treated differently from electorate MPs, because if you're on the list, you got there through party vote, and presumably the desire of voters is that the party is represented, not the person. So in that case, I do think that people should be able to be um, kicked out of parliament if they are no longer towing um, the party line. Um, and you, they can stand again at the, you know, at the, at the next election. And if you're an electorate MP, then you know you should, you know, put your money where your mouth is and resign and and let the electorate decide. Um, other kind of potential fault lines within the government, um, sort of three-part government, have started to emerge, and as they inevitably will. And one of them that in recent weeks has been um, compulsory te reo in schools um, and Winston Com compulsion versus universal availability yeah okay. um, so is that is that likely to be I mean that was Nanai Mahuta I think mm. speaking out in a, and um, Winston Winston what happened uh, Winston uh, gave her a crack because um, uh, I believe Nanaya was asked so the government's um, 
policy is about universal availability of te reo Māori, which quite simply means that, you know, at the moment I drive my kids to Newton to learn te reo Māori, and my, other, my older children I had to drive all the way out to Glen Eden to Hwani Waititi. And with the universal availability, it means that the school down the road will have to provide te reo Māori if my children... Um, want to learn it at that school, whereas compulsion means that it becomes a part of the curriculum that all children um, have to learn. I think it's imp it's interesting this issue because you know um, Winston having a crack at Nanaia and sort of being backed up by Jacinda because I think it shows the the chasm between the expectations of Labor's Maori MPs versus. Um, what they might actually get. And I don't know if it's just a strategy because they don't want to, that, you know, perhaps Labor does intend for it to be compulsory eventually, but they don't want to say the C word and scare off voters, or if there is genuinely no desire on behalf of the rest of Labor to have compulsory um, te reo Māori um, within the curriculum. But the other thing that I think is interesting, and it's happened a couple of times now, is saying party leaders crack MPs that aren't their own. So a while back we saw Jacinda cracking Shane Jones over the Air New Zealand stuff and then recently we've seen Willie, uh, um, Winston having a crack at um, Willie Jackson and Nanaia over this Te Reo Māori stuff and to me it's not a good look when party leaders are cracking MPs that aren't their own. I think they should be saying, especially when you're you know, in a slightly controversial coalition government already where people are saying it's all very tenuous and it's going to fall apart, I think you should just say, well, that MP is entitled to their to mm. their, their opinions, but that's certainly not our policy, rather than actually coming out and cracking them. I just don't think it um, sends the right perception, you know, it creates a perception that things are a lot, a, a bit more unstable than what you would expect this early in. I mean, the other way of looking at it is that because these are all, you know, cabinet ministers or ministers outside cabinet uh, in a in a formal coalition between New Zealand First and Labour, you know, it actually is more appropriate that the deputy prime minister, um, you know, can can sort of shoot down uh, something that one of his lower ranked ministers says, uh, or that the prime minister would, you know take Shane Jones to task, um, you know, than that they leave it on, a, you know, on a sort of per party uh, kind of, uh, you know, delegation <laughs> to sort of keep their, their, their members of cabinet in line. Um, you know, we saw, for instance, Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister, wouldn't, um, wouldn't uh, sort of uh, reprimand Jenny Markcroft, who was that New Zealand First MP, the backbencher. Um, who sort of implicitly threatened Mark Mitchell, um, you know, about sort of provincial regional growth funding or whatever, um, because she wasn't part of his caucus, she wasn't part of uh, the Prime Minister's caucus. Um, whereas Shane Jones is one of her ministers, Nanaia Mahuta is one of um, Winston Peters' ministers as Deputy Prime Minister. I don't know. I mean, this is uh, also. I would have thought that you'd leave it to the Deputy Leader in that case, like a Calvin Davis, to. On that issue, call them out. But it, but I yeah. hear what you're saying. I mean, the the other thing is, it's a it's probably a bit of a false debate right now. Um, I think when uh, people like Nanaya and uh, Willie say that we will have compulsory Tadeo, I mean, in in the same way as you know, people often talk about becoming a republic. You know, they say it will happen. You know, we don't we don't have a timeline for it. 
it, but it will happen. I think it'll happen before we become a republic. Um, and, and, and universal availability, I think, would be a necessary stepping stone to that yeah. because, you know, while you build up the capacity, there are nowhere near enough mm. today yeah. teachers no, right that, now that's to make definitely it step one. Um, and, and, and I think it goes well beyond the time frame of the next two and a half years, um, which is where the, this kind of you know cycle and sidecar sort of government sort of creaks and rickets across like the you know around a mountain ravine or whatever towards the next and election. It, and it's interesting that you say that, Ben, because I think most Maori who care about Te Reo would not believe that at all. They think that we we think that it's something that should be happening very soon and we wouldn't consider it in the same vein of as a republic or changing the flag we would expect that it would be something that the government could deliver you know if not towards the end of this term then perhaps the the second term and and so again I think it shows that the 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 gap between um, expectation versus perhaps reality um Switching subjects slightly to um, one of the great kind of narratives of this government is working on infrastructure and transport and housing. And um, there we've had the green light for the fuel tax to try and fund the expansion in, in Auckland transport requirements under ATAP, which is the 10-year plan. Um, fuel tax, is that the right mechanism? Is that okay? Is that contradicting the claim that there won't be more taxes? What do I, you, what, what, what? I don't. It's not a contradiction. Uh, no, I, th I think raising the the fuel excise tax is is not a contradiction uh, of of the idea that there will be no new taxes in this term. Um, just as I don't think um, collecting GST on overseas online purchases that's mm. not a new tax mm. either. Mm. Um, excise tax does always go up, um, allowing the. Uh, Auckland Council to have a regional fuel tax. That's slight. That's slightly different. I think you'd probably you might get away <laughs> on a technicality with that. Um, the, the problem with the fuel tax is that it's it, it hits poorer people the most. Mm, yeah. Poorer people live further out in Auckland. They commute the furthest. They have to drive the long distances. They work hours where you can't take public transport. Mm. If you're a cleaner coming in from South Auckland to clean Sky City, you can't just hop on the light rail because one, it doesn't exist yet, and two, it won't be running at midnight, right? Uh, you know, midnight to yeah. sort of 4 a.m. on a weekday. So it, it, it hurts it hurts poor people um, in the medium term. You know, it, I, I would have thought that funding along the idea of value capture along these new uh, along these new transport links, um, where you capture some of the increase in a property's value, uh, would have been a better way is a better way to do these things. I think Phil Twyford's still looking at that mm. um, because there you're, you're just taxing windfall gains from property owners who are already the richest people in Auckland, uh, not the poorest. I, I completely agree, Ben. And I think, um, yeah, um, taking it through rates would be a, a, a far more equitable way of, of raising that capital um, rather than the whole user pay system. It seems like it's always user pays when it comes to poor people, but you know, when it comes to cleaning up rivers and farmers and that sort of thing, that whole philosophy gets thrown out the window. Um, the other thing about it too is how the regions are concerned about you know, the cost is going to get spread to them and how can it be assured that they won't end up paying for New Zealand's roads. On that one, I would say 
actually the rest of New Zealand benefits economically when, when Auckland is running efficiently. And, um, you know, Auckland pays or help, taxes raised in Auckland help subsidise other projects around the country. So uh, I don't think that that should be a big issue. Um, and uh, the other p possibility is why can't we just charge petrol companies a, an extra tax that they can't pass on to consumers? I mean, we've had that story recently about how they're rorting, um, you know, the regions and with their prices. So perhaps some of the costs should be pushed on to them. That was pretty clear. It was just about who they were providing bigger discounts to. It was just about who gets a better discount. There was no rorting. Let's be very clear about that. Um, <coughs> running out of time. Um, quickly on the, the, the... We'll talk about the Māori role next time, maybe, yeah, um, yeah. and whether or not that um, there's the risk of losing um, one of the Māori seats if people continue to vote uh, as they are, or, or switch as they are during this period. Um, uh, there's a budget next week. We're talking on Friday morning. There's a, what is it, the 11th of May? Yeah, and there's a budget next Thursday. And <clears throat> I don't know, it's hard to read. It's one, is it one of those kind of slightly Cullen-esque budgets that is the, where you do that kind of prep you know, like that kind of psychological game where you, you prepare yourself, or in this case the country, for feeling like something is going to be dreadful, and then uh, it's actually quite good, and so you've downplayed expectations and everyone is happy. And Let me say this, Toby. I'll be keeping a very close eye on what goes into vote confectionery and vote <laughs> viticulture, yeah. and whether in fact that's new money or just recycled. Yeah. Have, you, have you got anything... Do you, do you want to disclose anything? Have you... Have you got any commercial relationships with confectionery or, or viticulture? Um. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what you do before a budget. You, you, you always talk about just how tough things are, how you're not going to spend any money because you're an extremely responsible fiscal manager. This is really important for Grant Robertson in particular, who doesn't have a finance or an economics background, sort of thrust into this role after only about sort of three years kind of getting to grips with it in opposition. Um, he feels he really has to assure people that, that he's a sound manager of the books, as they say. So he's talking about how there, you know, there won't be any big spend up. There won't be a lolly scramble to use all of the terminology that I think the spin-off uh, helpfully compiled mm. uh, in a piece this week. Mm. Um, and then on budget day, you actually spend shitloads of money, and everyone is pleasantly surprised. But they've already internalised the idea that you're a fiscal response, fiscally responsible manager, and so they think that whatever you've done is inherently affordable and responsible, but good. And you've pulled off some sort of magic trick. Um, you know, most famously, the key government did this in uh, 2000, 2009, 2010, where they said we're going to have fiscally neutral tax cuts. You know, we're probably going to raise GST a bit and, and lower income taxes, and it's all going to be fiscally neutral and responsible. In the end, it actually cost about a billion dollars extra a year, but people had already figured it, you know, people had already internalized the message that it was fiscally neutral. And so they, they, they managed to hit both those notes. They're responsible and also they're giving you lots of money. There won't be income tax cuts this year, but you know, there will probably be lots and lots of spending on infrastructure. Um, let's let, let's wind this up because um, when we hear Rose is um, just about had enough. <laughs> um, uh, very quickly before before we before we sign off, um, Ben, I'm keen to hear whether or not you are still working at all for David Seymour as he um, develops his career on the dance floor. 
Only as the cha-cha coach. <laughs> no, Have you as, been offering as, any advice? As, as per my excruciating and uh, level of dis- disclosure that I always offer spin-off listeners, um, no, we did some we did some work for ACT during the election campaign for a couple of months last year, and haven't had a commercial relationship since. I did. I voted for him for the first week on the you know on Dancing with the Stars. I didn't watch it. Okay, but I, we can I, now say Ben Thomas voted for David Z. I, yeah, I, I watched the first ten minutes or maybe fifteen minutes. I just I can't stand it. I thought that it might be a, a substitute for The Bachelor this year, but. Just a terrible show. I'm, I'm quite into it. Yeah. Um, I do think that some, at some point, the, given it's a dancing show, that if David Seymour gets not gets gets voted off, he can just grab onto the literally onto the coattails of a, a dancer <laughs> and and remain in the competition. I'm pretty sure there's a. I've been working on that gag for a while. Um, it's really good. Th- thanks. You couldn't hear that because Annabelle's off mic. But what she was saying was that was an excellent, excellent um, joke. They, we had a round of six months columns and assessments recently because the Ardern-led government um, had hit the half-year mark. Can we have a quick <laughs> round the table um, on how they've gone and maybe, I don't know, mark out of 100? Wait, are we grading the columns or the... No, I was thinking more the government. Too meta. But if um, you want to grade the com- columns, feel free. Yeah, look, I mean, they started off well. Um, people always bank gains, right? You know, in, in those six-month uh, reviews, people were sort of saying, well, there won't be much in the budget for child poverty, forgetting that, you know, there was sort of a, a billion-dollar families package announced in December. Um, you know, the public is always sort of like, well, what have you done for us recently? Um, they've done well. They've, you know, they, 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 they haven't collapsed. Um, probably down from a, a 9 out of 10 in their first sort of four months uh, to a, what, probably a, a 7, like the Prime Minister said. 7 out of 100. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, That's harsh. No, let's call it... Okay, let's... Then Thomas voted it. for David Seymour seven, and has given Jacinda Ardern's government 7 out of 100. I, I, am go- I, am, I am going to vote for Phil Twyford on the latest series of The Block NZ. When uh-huh. he tries to convert a, a, a Kingsland duplex into 4,000 affordable homes by season's end. You've been working on that one too, haven't you? It's, I, just, I just remembered it now. Um, I, I, made it, I made the joke to my girlfriend a couple of weeks ago and she didn't like... Let's just cut it. Let's cut it in post. It's not going anywhere. Annabelle, uh, six months... Yeah, everything Ben said. You have to go close to the microphone. Everything Ben said, but extra points for the um, for the kahu that she wore. Oh, yeah, we didn't even get into that meeting the Queen. She podcasted. She did. Grace. She looked like a Disney princess. It's an amazing photo. Yeah. It was an amazing. It's photo. just yeah iconic. Um, uh, let's go out. A shout out to the other spinoff stable of podcasts who um, can be found at thespinoff.co.nz slash podcast. You've got your uh, real pod there where they talk about um, in more detail David Seymour and his efforts on the dance floor of the nation and uh, on the rag, which is the women's podcast, which is very good. And there's the business was boring one, which is now in a hundred podcasts. Are there any more, Alice? Is that it? Oh, there's music podcasts. That's very good. There are other ones too, apparently. I'm going to check it out. Why don't you too, listeners? This has been Gone by Lunchtime. Kia ora e te iwi. Te here. Podcast manager at the spin-off. 
If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.